to sell some of them. You're wasting all your time and money on models. Paint what you have. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Model Club TV, Episode 7. Yes. Special effects. Seven. That's some special effects right there. That's all we can afford. Um, I always say this, but everything I read going into creating podcasts, if you get past episode seven, you can kind of consider yourself successful because most of them fail before that. And I think I said this last time because we were looking forward to this one. So if we have episode eight, we're doing better than most podcasts. And wow, what an adventure it is. Anyway, as always, my co-host, Scott Johansson. How are you, sir? I'm great. Really? Great? Sure. This is the best day ever. (laughs) Okay. We are going to have a short episode today because we had an interview. This is an interview show with uh, Phil Kupka, and it went really long. So we're uh, going to keep our part a little small today. I think it's probably how it's going to go for most of our interview shows. Um, We don't have a lot to talk about here in the beginning anyway. There is some things, a couple things. but yeah, this is a great interview. So this interview is long enough to be episode seven and eight. That's true. So, Actually, it, that is one hundred percent true. So maybe next time we'll come on and I'll be going episode nine. I, I think we may lose some listeners this week if yeah. it is too long. So we, uh, I'm just kidding. It's a it's a great interview. Phil's a great guy, and we uh, we look forward to sharing that with everybody. Um, as far as news and reviews, got anything, Scott? Let's start with news. News. I have, I'm thinking, but I don't think I have anything. Um, well, could, that, that's I, fine. Because, like, you know, again, it's going to be a long episode. <laughs> so yeah, and it seems like it we just out. filmed the last one. So it does. They're coming quicker and quicker. Yeah. It's so, I'm sorry. I've got nothing. But Such I will a say disappointment. I, last week I you had your homework stuff. done. This week. Yeah, I have so some much. stuff coming in the mail soon. So, um. I'll have some stuff I can do a quick review on. Okay. Uh, I have a news bit, like one little news thing. Uh, it just happened today, and I saw on I saw on Facebook today. This was today. It just popped up when I was scrolling. Um, this Godzilla kit. And I absolutely blown away by it. Uh, I really <laughs> I need this kit. And the hard part is it's from Ryo is his name, I think. And I, it's gorgeous. It's a 54 Godzilla done. Like it's realistic. Like it just, it's gorgeous looking. I don't know if it's going to be a pre-paint. I don't know if it's a one-off. I don't know if it's anything. I sent him a message to get some more information. Um, it's all in Japanese. It's from a blog post or a blog site. That's also all in Japanese. I used Google translate to try and get in touch with them. So if I get any more information on this in the next by next episode i'll share it but i think this godzilla kit is just stellar like that's like one of the best 54 looking godzillas i've ever seen so and i have to agree it's pretty yeah, cool. that's that's really cool i mean that's one i'd go in your house and steal from you if you had it i think like that other one i want but the other yeah, thing i got is in the mail i got this thing it's called a kapind or Kipine? Kipine? I think it's Kipine, and it's a D&D monster. And somebody I follow on Instagram was painting one of these up, and she was t- did a really good job with it. And I was, I was just wondering where it came from. I didn't know how big it was. And it's, 
is from a company called Boss Monster Minis, and he has a shop on Etsy. And if you want to go and pick that up, and it's all 3D printed miniatures. And this is one of the first. I'm just going to hold it in the camera. It's about that big. Um, it's 3D printed. You can get it in two different poses. It was only $25, and there's a ton of cool stuff on his site. Uh, there's some dragons. There's some other fantasy miniatures, and there's options in the printing, and it didn't take that long to get. Um, yeah, really, really, really cool thing. Uh, a Kapine. I, I'm going to link to – I put a out-of-the-box review on my YouTube channel, so I'll have that down in the comments – or the, the – I'll have that down in the – what is it called? What do we call it? Comments, Comments. description, description (laughs) down in the description below. I got to get used to this YouTube lingo. It's horrible. I'm just, I'm too old for this. So that'll be in there. Boss monster minis on Etsy. And it's, you know, I got I dropped something. His name is Tobias Brunner and like great sculpture. Really cool. How is that 3d print? Do you have to clean up? Does it look there's a little and I talk about that in the review a bit. There's there is a little bit of cleanup to do, um, but not much at all. It I don't know if I broke the antler or if it came like that, but there's a little nub missing. It's very, very fragile. Um, there is a little bit of detail loss based on the printing uh, from the, the original file, I think, to that. But yeah, check out the review that's up there. Um, it's a great little mini and he has tons of really cool stuff on there. So boss monster minis. Um that's for as far as news and reviews. Uh, workbench. I'm not even going to put the little thing in there because, again, we're trying to keep this short today. But uh, as far as Workbench goes, I got back on to live streaming this week, finally, working on my ghost. And I built a lot of miniatures, plastic miniatures, in the last two weeks since we did our last show. It's, uh, it's been fun just building and scraping mold lines. But have you built anything? You broke anything they had to fix this week? No. Um, well, yeah, I did actually. While we were um, while we were filming the last episode, this is one of the figures that's up on my shelf. And um, you I noticed it? he was like leaning way forward like this, like he's going to fall off. Uh, and what happened is years ago when I got him, I wanted to see if I could take him apart. So I took the legs off. And what happened is he has started to get a lean forward. And no, his arms are poseable, so we fix those so they look right. Is it is it vinyl? It's vinyl, yeah. Yeah, that's probably yep. So and then it was hot here and we didn't have the air on, so I'm wondering if that didn't contribute. Yeah. So I think what I'm gonna have to do is um put some epoxy glue in the bottom and hold them a little straighter so I can put them back up there. You have something to build and make and you know. Yeah, sure. Uh, I update time. Did you work any more on your tiny terror? Okay, so no. And for those that I promised the foam review this week, I didn't get to it, but I will get to it next week. I'm hoping I can get set up somehow so that I can um, do it right up there in my work area. But if I can't, I will take pictures and do it down here. So, um, all right, I'm but, holding it to it. We do have one thing to talk about. A Dune trailer came out for the new Frank Herbert's Dune movie. Do you have an opinion? What's Dune? Not Doom. Dune. Dune. What's Dune? Dune. What's Dune? No, I actually know what Dune is. As a 
as a teenager and younger child, my brother read all the Dune books. My brother has read all the books, too. Look at that. I don't even own any of the Dune books. I don't either. So I'm not familiar with it. But for your sake, um, I watched the trailer. Okay. I am only, I mean, I know just from games and movies, the other original movie and some of the other ones, that's my knowledge base. I have not read the books. So I'm probably having people yell at me right now. And you, uh, they're going to book shame us now. We're we're going to book book shamed. We're going to get book shamed. We are. So the trailer, what'd you think movie coming out? Well, it was interesting enough that, um, it was more interesting than the Batman trailer. I'll tell you that. (laughs) <laughs> uh, you know what i agree with you i agree with you um it's it's interesting enough that i may give it a try yeah it uh, looks it's intriguing uh, well, well, yeah the, and, and uh, you asked me if i knew what the music was and of course uh, i knew what it was i knew right away i didn't have to ask anyone and i knew it was pink floyd eclipse a cover you are such a see i'm good at lying i'm good at lying okay i had no idea what the song was <laughs> I okay. don't know any Pink Floyd songs. So it's an Jamie is going to be really mad at me. Music. Okay, even if you're not a fan of Pink Floyd, it's an iconic piece of music. Where would I have heard it? Um, I don't know. On a radio that didn't play Kill Your Mother, Kill Your Father music? I don't know. You know, whatever. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, they worked it into the trailer, though, really nice. Yeah, it's it wasn't a, yeah, it was... performing it. I think someone said, somewhere I read today, it was Hans Zimmer. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And uh, but it was cool. Um, the part I really thought was cool, and and I know what the sandworm is, just because the sandworm was always on the cover of the books. And yeah. Things. And at the end of the trailer, they showed the sandworm coming out of the sand, and uh, that looked really cool. I, I thought that looked really, really cool. Yeah, and, it did. It, it. So. I'm intrigued. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, so I may. Yeah, I, I don't know that I'll go to the theater to see it, but I think I will. I don't know if I'm going to go to the theater ever again now that I have a good TV yeah. and good speakers. And you know my experience with theaters. So oh, if yeah. I don't have to go, I don't want to go. For I get I tend to have arguments at the theater, so we'll we'll stop there. Because um, he talks through the whole movie. Ugh. Anyway, <laughs> kids throw popcorn at him and all that. So it's anyway. Good. We hope you enjoy this interview with Phil Kupka. Uh, we go over a ton of stuff. He's got some great information in there, a great history of him as a modeler, where he came from, who he's helped, how he's inspired some iconic kits, and even launched one of the iconic kits, I think. Um, but, yeah, it's a great interview. goes a little long, uh, but we hope you stick around and listen to the whole thing, and we'll talk to you after the interview. And uh, just let me interject real quick. I've known Phil since 2003. And what's funny is the amount of people that I do know in this hobby for that have been around forever. And it kind of took me that long to know Phil. And you would think that I would have known Phil earlier than I did. But um, well, a lot of people don't like to admit they know you. So it's there's that. But I didn't know him. Okay. You know. <laughs> All right. Enjoy the interview. We'll see you guy. afterwards. I think we brought Phil on today, Phil Kupka, because it made it a lot easier than trying to read an email. So this is, I think, 
our start with Phil. Phil, thank you so much for coming to Model Club TV. It's my pleasure to be here, except I, that I have to put up with Scott. Ah, I, now, finally, someone else feels my pain. <laughs> totally. Um, seriously, yeah. I first want to thank you for everything you have done so far for us. You're one of the few people that actually sends us emails. And I know I kid, it, kid about it a little bit, but they're awesome. Every email you have sent, I have loved to read. Um, it's just hard to try and translate it to this and get it up on here. So I thought, let's get you on here and just talk it out here. You can still send emails after this, but oh, I was going to say, since I'm on this one, do I have to write you an email? No, you don't. No, that's okay. I will, have a I will anyway. Okay. I'll tell you how great I look. Awesome. So seriously, thank you for coming. Because we're not gonna. Thank you, Scotty. So awesome. Yeah. First, the other thing I want to get to first. There's uh, people might be wondering where do you live? I live in a small town in Oregon called Willamina. It's about halfway between the Oregon coast and Portland. Okay. So that's what I want to talk about real quick. Are you okay? Are you safe? There's a lot of fires going on and people, when they see this over the weekend or next week are probably going to be wondering if you were okay. So everything good. Yeah, uh, We have, we haven't got any fires close to us, but we had our, our grandson stay with us last night because he's got a lot of health problems and our daughter where she works in um, Salem, which they, they've been hit with a lot of smoke. Okay. Uh, they closed her business early. And she came out here and she's going to spend the night with us too. But it's very smoky. I yeah. mean, it's probably, it probably doesn't look as bad as the, the photos that the, and film that they've showed of San Francisco where it's red. Yeah. But it's, it's smoky here. Really smoky. Okay. Well, that's good to hear. I hope it stays that way. And I hope everyone's good. Me too. But we're, we're keeping, keeping an ear on, uh, you know, where the fires are and everything. So in case they come close. We're going to pack it up and get out of Dodge. That's a lot of stuff to pack up behind you. <laughs> well, take Is a that, look at it now, guys. That's a days. finger cross. This could be the last time you ever see Phil's collection. Oh, yeah. man. That would be the, for me. Yeah, this would be the most depressing start to an interview. Anyway, okay. Who do you have there with you? Who's our other guest? This is my uh, color commentator. Uh, it's the remembered prisoner from Cassie Marie, or is it Marie? We had this <laughs> argument. We had this argument. I say Marie. Scott says it wrong. I'll so just to the old guy, whatever the old guy says. I agree. There you, there you, there you. I agree. <laughs> old guys with white beards, you have to pay attention to. It's, it's been Castle Mayor as long as I can remember. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Phil, you like model yes, kits, huh? Who me? Yeah. <laughs> Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, how'd you get started? Friend, somebody asked my wife once, do you tolerate his his hobby? And she said, yeah, I like it because it keeps him out of the bars. <laughs> you know what? I wish that were true for me. <laughs> Actually, and, this virus kept me out of the bars. So, And my favorite story, one of my favorite Phil stories is the first time I met his wife. We were at, I was at my mutual friend, Kurt Krause's house. And um, Phil came down, it was the 4th of July, and they were having fireworks um, on the beach. So Phil came down with his wife, Diane, for the fireworks and to spend the day. And so Diane comes in and we're talking for about an hour and Phil and Kurt are talking about model kits and 
Diane just kind of looked at me and she said, are you one of them? And I kind of put my head down in shame and go, yeah, 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 that's me. I'm one of them. Yeah. Oh, Oh, man. Well, she's a good sport. It seems she even set up your camera for you tonight. Got you set up. That's awesome. She did because I'm technology uh, unaware. Yeah. Jamie would tell me, get lost, I think. So you got a good one there. Jamie may tell you that anyway. Yeah, she does. Yeah, it's coming, I think. Um, So how'd you get started? First model. What was your first model? Well, my very first model, as I recall, was some kind of a rocket. If it was a Hercules rocket or something like that, and it had this little platform that you mounted it on. Didn't paint it or anything. I was worried about keeping the glue off my hands and on the model. But the first figure model that I had back in, I think it was 63, uh, for Christmas, my folks bought me the long box uh, Aurora Frankenstein monster. And you know, oh, wow, that was cool. And my mom helped me put it together and paint it. That's fantastic. She's, Mom's she's doing good. stuff. That's awesome. Back to the model for a second. Was it just a model kit or a flying rocket that actually? No, it was a model kit. It was probably like okay. so big. It's pretty gotcha. small. Okay. So the long box was that age. age. They hadn't invented flying yet. Yeah. <laughs> you said it. I did not say that. So, you know, <laughs> we'll let you guys fist fight this later. Um, I promise. Bill, I, I bless the chopped so a little bit here. You, here's a weird question. Do you still have that model kit? Oh, no. 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 See, I still have I my think first one. The only, the only model or part of a model that I have from when I was a kid building kits was I have one of the Ravel Beatles George Harrison heads. And I don't think I have the whole head. I think I might just have the front half of it. And it's painted that gloss flash and yeah. gloss brown. And, but I think that's the only original thing that I have left. That's at least you have something. Scott, do you something. have a first model kit you built or anything that long? We're still waiting for that. You never oh, built a oh, kit. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> What a dumb question. You should know better than that, Jason. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> so I was, you got that for Christmas, I think, right? Was it 63? Yep. Okay. And your mom, and then, did your mom help you build more models after that? Was she hooked or is she like, oh, forget it? No, no. She she said, well, he's an artistic little kid. We'll let him go on. What I think, I'm not sure if it was that same Christmas, but my older brother got Dracula. And... Speaking of that Dracula, there's a, uh, a lot of you remember the Aurora model contest that they had nationwide, nationwide. Well, we lived in Minnesota in a suburb of Minneapolis called Crystal. And the, the local contest, that Aurora contest was at a Target store. And I entered the Creature from the Black Lagoon and I don't remember, I put it on a, a piece of plywood that I painted green and wasn't real good. But my brother, my mom. Wait a minute! Time, time out! Time out! Time out! Time, time One second. There's Target stores back then. Yeah, yeah. Is that a Minnesota thing? Well, Dayton Hudson. It's a subsidiary of Dayton Hudson. Okay, I did not know and this. Dayton, I thought it was a new. I thought it was a new thing. All right. Was it like our venture? Did you guys have ventures? What's a venture? Ah, uh, there you go, Scott. You yeah. know a venture, Scott. You, we have venture, right? A venture is the ship. Uh, and the original King Kong was called the Venture. Oh, my God. oh, yeah. Everything goes back to King Kong. Venture was like a target back then for us. It was black and white, striped stores. 
I will say, Jason, that before Target was here, when I was in California in like the late 80s, yeah, I saw Target there. And I was like, oh, this is a pretty cool store. And it was, like you said, it was like what we had here called Venture. Okay. And then it, uh, and we're not even that far away. All right. Sorry. Model contest at Target. I'm sorry. Well, before I continue, speaking of you guys' Chicago area, do you remember that that show? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. We remember that show. I got, a, I got a gold and a silver at that show. It's my one. Yeah. I also saw porn stars talking in front of little kids about doing horrible things. So, you know, <laughs> resin heads. <laughs> that's that's kind of oh, how yeah. it was. What a mess. Anyway, yeah. Model kind of just, yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, my brother, he built the, uh, the Aurora Dracula. And my mom had given him this plastic jewelry case that opened up, you know, long ways. Uh-huh. And he it had a purple felt, or not felt, uh, Oh, it was a cloth interior. Well, he took the customizing kit and he made a skeleton with the pieces that you could make out of it. And he fashioned this little dagger and put it into the, in the, between the ribs. And he won second place there. That's awesome. And he got uh, the, this vacuum formed thing with uh, Frankenstein on the front saying second place winner of the Aurora uh, monster contest, whatever. And then he got a subscription to famous monsters of Filmland, And then he got a couple model kits. That was really a big deal. What a great time to be alive. Like there was nothing like that when I was a kid. And do you know how much that vacuum form like, thing is worth right now? Boy, you see them on, uh, yeah. on they go for a lot. Big ones. Yeah. How much are they worth? They'll leave me hanging. Like what was that? Uh, like in the five hundred dollar range, I think I've really? seen them. Wow, yeah. well, I've well, seen them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what they actually sold for, if they did sell for that, but um, yeah. Hey Scott, back to your peanuts thing. Look, I actually have a Charlie Brown mug. Sorry. Anyway, right. <laughs> I don't talk about your peanuts. Uh, sorry, leave my peanuts alone. <laughs> so, did your brother That's still? Story, right? did, you, did your brother like continue building models, or was that like the heyday and he was done? Here's a copy of the certificate that you got too. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Anyway, go, Jason, on eBay. There was a guy that must have owned a hobby shop or something. And he had a box, and it was the box that they sent the hobby shop of all of that stuff. So it had entry forms. It had like Bill just showed you, it had a stack of them, had all three vacuum form things. And now I'm talking, this is 15 years ago. And it was in Kankakee, of all places, which is south of us, Bill, about 40 minutes. Mm. And I, don't, I think the thing sold for over $1,000 back then wow. for, for the whole thing. But, I mean, he had the box that came in and everything. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who bought it or who ended up with it, if it's a collector that's out there. But um, it was cool seeing it, like, as the hobby shop would have gotten it. You know, and it was everything. So, Did, did your brother keep building good. models, or was that it? Like... Yeah, well, uh, all of my brothers, I had three brothers, one older than me and two below me. The older one, he built a few more, like he built the Wolfman and a couple other monsters, but he also built like the white-tailed deer and oh, maybe a couple cars or something, but he wasn't really that into it. My younger brother, he built uh, the Hunchback and maybe a couple cars. Uh, he got into armor 
armor a little bit. He built a couple tanks. Then my youngest youngest brother, the only model I remember him building was a uh, a 125th scale Grumpy's toy, which was a, a pro stock for drag racing. Okay. My my uncle, my youngest uncle on my mom's side, bought all my brothers a big Frankie. Well, you know who had to build it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But after it. that, you know, my brothers, they never really got into building models. Cool. So it was a model building family at one point, and then you just kind of took over, huh? Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Let me ask you a question, because I think you're one of the first people I've ever spoken to that had a big Frankie back then, or saw a big Frankie back then. Yeah. So it's my understanding, and the Aurora guys out there will probably say, well, yeah, you dummy. They were never cellophane sealed. They were just taped. The box top was kind of taped to the bottom. That it didn't have the Aurora seal. That the, you know the cellophane thing. Do you remember, or is it? Let me see if I can remember <laughs> back then in the sixties. No, I don't remember. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. How about the paint that came with it? Did you use it? Did it come with paint? Yeah, it came with three bottles of paint and a paintbrush and. Check out the big brain on Scott. The, when does this happen? What the heck's going on? Yeah. I just remember the chain was this kind of gold colored stuff. And uh, it was different than the, than the rest of the styling. Yeah. And you had to paint it or you had to build it link by link. Yep. That sucked. <laughs> Wait, really? That's horrible. Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't know if the reissue is like that. I think it is. But it's good. Yeah. Well, that's like, I just, I have the the ghost chain sitting right here and every other link is solid. And I was like, man, do I have to drill those out? And I'm like, no, forget it. Anyway, back to chains. It's okay, all so, over the place. So uh, where'd you guys put all these models back in the day, Phil? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the first house that we, well, this is the second house, but the first house that we lived in was in North Minneapolis. And I was just a wee lad, you know, like one or two years old. But when I started building models, uh, we built them in the basement. And we had window wells. For those of you who don't know what a window well is, Got it's, one of those. I had those. it's access to your to the outside. If you have a fire, you have a tough time squeezing out of there. But it's uh, we had shelves. My dad, my dad had finished off the basement, and so we had shelves, you know, right where the window was. But those filled up pretty fast. But then the second house that we lived in, it was a a four story split level, so you had like Two, two levels here and then two levels here and there's stairs in between. Well, my brother and I had a basement in the, the first sub-level and we had the cinder blocks were about, oh, maybe four or five feet up. And my folks capped that off with uh, some oak and then stained it and it ran the full length of two walls. So we had plenty of room to put our models. That's awesome. It was cool. Built-in shelves. You didn't have to buy any display cases. Yeah, the the best thing about window wells, dead frogs. Yeah, and salamanders. Yeah, I oh, see. We didn't have salamanders. Oh, just dead frogs. Yeah, I suppose I would have loved some dead salamanders it. for my jars. Yeah. yeah, he has jars of dead stuff in his house, Phil. So you're just jealous, man. You're just jealous. yeah. I'm jealous. I wish I had jars of dead stuff. <laughs> Where were you buying all your model kits back then? There was. Uh a uh, pharmacy called medical center pharmacy and in the basement of it there was a schwinn dealership but they also had like slot cars 
and radio control stuff and model kits and all that kind of cool hobby stuff. They even had slot car racetracks that you could bring a slot car and show off your, your abilities. But yeah, that's where I bought, um, I think that's up until and including the creature and the mummy, which came out at the same time. And I bought all my testers and my PLA. Is that how you pronounce that paint? PLA, P-L-A? I think so. Yeah, they were the little, little yeah. jars. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah I, I, Pactra, but I don't remember PLA. I remember Pactra. And I had that weird bottle. Yeah, Pactra too. Yeah. I had Pactra. I yeah. About yeah. But that's where I bought my stuff. And then uh, one of the first malls in Minnesota was called Brookdale Mall. And they had a, a hobby store in there called Gagers, which was later bought out by a, a hobby, hobby craft uh, corporation called Triarco. But anyway, I remember going to Gagers whenever we went to that mall and going in and seeing what new Auroras were on the shelves, or what awesome. Ravel kits or what weirdos yeah. or things are. Oh, it's just like heaven. <laughs> and you know, uh, Kurt Krauss and I, every once in a while we have this dream about you know, going into a hobby store and seeing all these kits that Aurora never made and, and filling uh, shopping carts with them. And we could never get up to the cash register with them. We wake up. <laughs> that's a horrible nightmare. That, that's a dream and a nightmare all at the same time. And who was buying these kits for you back then, Phil? Was this mine? Mom? Okay. I was buying them. I, I saved my meager allowance. Mom would uh, pay me. We had a, a cement pad in front of the the garage and if i swept that swept all the gravel and stuff off that i get 50 cents or if i wash the kitchen dining room floor i get 50 cents so i was able to buy a an aurora kit for 98 cents you know by doing two uh two duties that's awesome well you got woolworths there too oh yeah yeah i love bought, that's, that's uh, like i love that store i think no it was a kresge's I think that we had we had a Kresge's and a Snyder drug. Okay. But the Kresge's is where I got the uh, 420 kit. Yeah, I remember you know, my grandma. I used to go to Woolworths with my grandma in Berwyn all the time. I remember right. trying to get model kits and action figures. Berwyn. <laughs> yep. That was the yeah, coolest thing. Of- I bought for my third grade, uh, for third grade, third grade. I dressed up as Fanguli for Halloween and I bought a rubber chicken in Berwyn for my costume. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. <laughs> So did you use shoe polish to blacken your? Yeah, hat? had black, had a top hat, suit, scarf, all that stuff. It was fantastic. It was so cool. I wish I still had a picture of that. I think I do somewhere. I gotta find it. But well, speaking, speaking of Woolworths uh, and your grandma, yeah, uh, I I really loved staying with my grandparents. And almost every time that we I would stay there on Saturday, we feed Grandpa his breakfast, and then he'd go off to work, and then we do a little housework. And we go down to the corner and we'd hop the bus down to downtown Minneapolis and we do our things. And uh, one time she said, Philip, would you like a model kit? I said, oh, please, Grandma, please. But no monster models. <laughs> okay, Grandma. So we went in the Woolworths, their toy department was in the basement in downtown Minneapolis. We went there and they had the Black Bear and Cubs. So, okay. So <laughs> uh, she bought me that. Well, that's and a rather Woolworths, peaceful kit. Yeah, and as far as uh, records, when I was a little older, she wanted to buy me uh, a record for Christmas. And she told my mom, I'm not going to buy him none of that rock and roll stuff. So I got The Wondrous World of Sonny and Cher. Oh, man. Oh, no. It could, I mean, that's like the worst you could get. 
Hey, I like that album. Oh, darn it. I upgraded to a CD, too. Oh, man. Hey, that's a good memory, though. That's so, You're talking to a guy there that um, didn't recognize the Pink Floyd. We didn't that talk about that yet. We didn't. We didn't talk. From but, the Dark Side of the Moon. Okay. Which is like only one of the most iconic albums of all time. And he couldn't even recognize that music. So, you know. So, I. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I didn't know what song it was. I don't, I, Jamie had to tell me she loves Pink Floyd. Like I have Pink Floyd stuff hanging upstairs. I I don't know anything about Pink Floyd. So when I heard that song in the trailer, I had no idea. And so I looked it up. I like to call it kill your mother, kill your father music. No, I don't. Kill your mother, kill your father, kill your mother, kill your father. It's not true. It's not true. It's not true. It's kill your daughter, not your, I'm just kidding. I know about Pink Floyd. (laughs) Hey. He knows more than I do, which is not a surprise. I know a little bit more about the Grateful Dead, though. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know anything about them either. So <laughs> anyway, but Woolworth, did they have pets in your Woolworth? That's what I remember. There was fish and parakeets. Yeah. And you get to that area and it stunk. Yeah. I remember that's one. Of the... Every once in a while, they you'd see them fishing out the dead fish. Out yeah. The, yeah. The the... Meyer still has fish in it. I think Walmart does too, right? Yeah. I think. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Back to model. Um, (laughs) You built other things. Was it just figure kits or other things? Oh yeah. I built, uh, I built model cars uh, during my early teen years. Uh, There was a a friend of my brother's who said, you want to go to Minnesota dragways and watch the drags at the drag strip? And he said, sure. So I grabbed my Instamatic camera and hopped in his van. We went up there and, went to the far end of the strip and snuck in through the woods so we wouldn't have to pay the $3 entry <laughs> fee. And I started taking pictures. Of, wow, this is really, really cool. And so I updated to a 35 millimeter camera, but it wasn't a single lens reflex. And I couldn't really get good pictures. So I bought a single lens reflex and then got a telephoto zoom. Boy, I was really up there. And then I uh, got some, I got a, a Super 8 movie camera. Yeah. Oh, that was cool. But uh, yeah, I built I built a lot of cars and I tried to build realistic, funny cars. And so I'd, I'd make my own decals and all this other stuff. And as soon as I'd finish it, some model company would come out with that car with all the decals and everything <laughs> ready for you. The worst. About three or four times. But yeah. you still made your own. That's a million times better. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did you? Did you gravitate still though more to the figures, the pinks, the weirdos, stuff like that? I mean, was that still your where your heart was, or were you moving yeah. on at that point? For that for that couple of years, I was you know strictly building cars because I hung out with a couple of a couple other kids that uh, built cars. But mm-hmm. then, uh, like I said in the uh, Monster Mile review episode one ninety five. Oh yeah, please check out Rob Manson's. Yes. <laughs> Phil, you but, go. I want you to do the plug. Plug Rob. Someone yeah. else besides us. Um, Rob Madison, uh, Monster Model Review, did a episode on me and my Outer Limits fascination. Uh, check it out. It's episode one ninety five. And I think, personally, I think Rob did the best job on that episode. Rob, can we talk about Rob for a second while he's gone? Sure. <laughs> he's, he's awesome. Gone like he's dead. Like, well, I know he's not here. He can't hear us yet. We'll do that. Rob's amazing. I love that guy. 
is one of the nicest human beings on the planet. There's not like, he's not like Scott trying to ruin everyone's day. And he's just like, he's out there for the right reasons. Oh, wait, this he's is Scott. Guy that would, he's another guy that would give you the shirt off his back. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. If, uh, if you can't find it, it's, you can link through this channel over to his, we got him linked on ours friend of the show. We love him. He's going to be a guest at some point for sure. Yeah. Rob's great. Love him. He does great. The stuff odd thing him. is I met Rob through my friend, Kurt, who also introduced me to Phil. Okay. Mm -hmm. This Kurt guy, he seems to be the center of all evil. He's the center of something. <laughs> <laughs> He's the center of something, yeah. What magazines were you reading back then? What was the in thing? Well, of course, Mad Magazine and Cracked. Cracked, not Cracked, Cracked. Yeah, oh, I like Cracked Magazine. Um, fam famous Monsters, of course. But then I came across a, an issue of, what was it called? Model and Toy Collector or Model and Figure Collector, whatever it was. And I saw that, well, I read an article about how people were collecting these old Aurora monster models. I said, no, I don't see them in the stores. So I read this article and it said that they're finding them in the weirdest places. So one time we were, we went over into Wisconsin and we were camping uh, just out of Taylor's Falls, Wisconsin. So I, I went into town one day and they had a hardware store. So I thought, I'm gonna go in there and see if they got one of their little toy departments. And I went in there, sure enough, they had a square box glow uh, Wolfman and the Hunchback. That's awesome. Waxed him right up. <laughs> and that's that's what started me collecting uh, figure kits again. And then... Uh, what year that, was that, roughly, you think, that you started? Uh, that would back be... In? Okay, we were in our second house. That would be the late 70s. Late 70s, early 80s. Like 78, 79. Well, wait a minute. Our son was... Our daughter was born in 80. So it was before that. I would say 78, 79, something like that. Well, I know model and toy collect. Well, model, it turned into model and toy. And I think it was originally model figure collector. Mm -hmm. And I received my first issue of model figure collector, mm -hmm. which was issue one. And it was a small, it was a little thing. Yeah. About 1985. That's when I got my first issue of that. Mm -hmm. About issue six you seven, it morphed into model and toy collector. It's really been around that long? <laughs> so, that was well, a toy collector. Wow, I did not think that. Internet. Okay. Yeah, so there was, yeah, there was a toy shop. Yep, toy shop. A newspaper type thing. Yep. Could, uh, I like it. Yeah, I used to get that. Yeah. And then there was the John Green list. Do you guys What's ever that? get no. John Green's mailing list? No. So you sent me a picture, Phil, of John Green's mailing list number 108. Yeah. My first John Green list was number six. Really? And I found it in an issue of Fangoria in the classifieds. So I sent him a, you know, send me your list. Mm -hmm. And the list you had had prices. And when I started out with John Green, he wouldn't give you prices. You had to write him for prices. Yeah. <laughs> he would literally send you your letter back. The whip with out the telegraph on. too while you're at it. Like, ding, ding, and it would say sold or whatever. And then for 50 cents, he'd make a photocopy of the kit if you wanted to see a photocopy, of, and it would be a black and white photocopy. Oh, my God. And then, so if he still had it, then you'd have to get a money order and send it to him and hope he didn't sell that kit between that. You couldn't call him either. Yeah. Okay. Remember it, money orders? Like, when's the last time anyone's done a money order? 
for anything. Well, yeah. So again, this was just how you did things. And again, I know for a fact, this was like 84, 85 when I started. Mm -hmm. And I, mean, I had issued, I had list number six. Well, I had, I had a lot of other lists, but this is just the one that I saved. Right. And the one you saved had the prices on. Because after a while, I think he got so much shit about not having prices on it that he finally gave that out and he finally gave his phone number out. So like he'd hold a kit too. Like if you sent him a down payment, he'd hold a kit for 30 days. Mm -hmm. And um, I think I only spoke to the man himself one time. It's like the dark ages. Yeah, it was. It was pretty weird. It's like the, Actually, did you guys get the puffin stuff? That's the one I was on. That's the puffin stuff catalog. I never got their list. I always waited for that to come out though in the new magazines. Yeah, I would get the thing in the mail while I was down in ISU. And it was like, oh, the greatest day. And he would look at the same piece of paper a hundred times trying to figure out what I wanted to buy. Mm -hmm. And wow, time before the internet. Strange. Yeah. Very strange. I can't remember if it was in Model and Toy Collector or whatever, but there was a an ad for. And in the ad, they had pictures of built the Sakuda quarter scale and um, a couple of Billikens in there. I go, wow, look at the likenesses on there. That really beats out the, the Auroras. So yeah. anyway, I wanted to find out about these garage kits. And anyway, we were vacationing in, in California and my wife's oldest sister is who we went to visit. And she didn't live too far away from John Green. So I called John up and I said, John, would you mind if I came by your place and saw what you had and maybe get some stuff for you? Yeah, come on over. So I, I drove over there, go up to the front door and the screen door was closed, but the inside door was open. I rang the doorbell and I waited. All of a sudden somebody comes to the door and I look up and first thing I see is this t-shirt of Brian Adams. And I look up at the face of the guy and I said, did anybody ever tell you? And he says, yeah, come on in. He gets it all the time. He looked just like Brian Adams. Brian He's Adams wearing rock. the shirt? I don't know who he is. Yeah, he had a Brian Adams t-shirt. Anyway, we walked in, went through his living room, through his kitchen, and into his breezeway. And he had these shelves filled with styrene kits. You know, mitten box, partially assembled, you know, stuff like that. And I go... Wow, John, you got a lot of stuff. He said, yeah, yeah. Is there anything in particular you're interested in? And I said, well, I'm really turned on to these garage kits, you know, vinyl and resin. He said, oh, come on out here. We went out into his garage. Shelves full of this stuff. So anyway, I got the Billiken Metalute Mutant and the Saucerman for just under 100 bucks each. Wow. That, that feeling of walking in somewhere you've never been before and seeing kits like that on the shelf is just... It's, it's, it's like, it's electricity when you get to a new store and it's like, Ooh, and I still get that feeling when I go somewhere and I don't expect it. If I go in a hobby store out of town and I'm like, mm -hmm. Oh, they might have something here that I, and they, one little thing you're like, Oh my God, this place is awesome. Wow. I don't know if you, if you guys still have a pretty good uh, hobby store in your area, but if you're ever in Minneapolis, St. Paul, there's a place on Lexington Parkway called scale model supply. And it's in the basement of a Napa auto store. But they, it's one of the biggest, whenever I go, go back to Minnesota, I always go there. Okay. And I have to buy something. Yeah. Because they I, got so much stuff. I will check it out for sure. If I'm, if I'm going yeah. through there, I will definitely drop in there. Yeah, I love awesome. going to new places. They can stop by and say hi to George Stevenson too. Oh, I will. I will. We were going driving vacations. 
we were blessed with the fact that I made enough money and my wife made enough money. We could take our kids and we drove over most of the United States. And whenever we would check into the hotel, I'd grab the phone book and I'd find out where the local hobby stores were. And if it wasn't too late, I'd go and check out the hobby stores. Yeah. I do the I same thing now find. with my phone. I just type in hobby store or miniature game store everywhere I go and hit my phone mm-hmm. on Google maps and just look same thing, but just yeah. not in a giant, <laughs> giant book anymore. <laughs> Yeah, Bill had to find the hobby store without the GPS. I know, you had to go <laughs> look, call them. That up. was before smartphones, and that's when people use maps. Yeah. Paper map. Pull them out. Yep. Remember, you have to tell people directions, and you'd have to write them down <laughs> and figure and out. Guys, oh, guys would never listen to you, and the no. women would listen yeah. to you. Yep. Speaking of women, maps. how did you meet your wife? Bam. Just so you know. Okay. How did I meet my yeah, wife? Yeah, how did you meet your wife? Well, I was at a a Farrell's ice cream parlor. You've probably heard of those, haven't you? No. Oh, it was a, a turn of the century style ice cream parlor. Okay. And they had really good ice cream, but uh, I had worked there. This was at the Brookdale Mall again. And I was at in college my first year. And I went back to ask the one of the cashiers that worked there if she wanted to go to this concert. And she said, well, before I get to, to answer her, I sat down and I had some food. Well, Diane waited on me. She was my waitress. And I just, oh, well, she's kind of attractive. So anyway, I went to this, oh, I. A little louder, Phil. I don't think she heard that you thought she was kind of attractive. <laughs> so maybe a little louder. You know. Like you, she's my favorite Diane. She is my favorite Diane. <laughs> but sometime, remind me to tell you about my uh, adventure that night of the concert. Okay. Uh, it was quite entertaining. But anyway, uh, my brother right below me, he was kind of chasing this other waitress and she just didn't want to have anything to do with him. She just didn't want to date anybody. Well, Diane was good friends with this other gal. And so my brother was kind of working through her to get to, to this other gal. I know how that goes. Anyway, we got to be good friends, and you know, one thing led to another, and we ended up getting married. Aww. And then my brother and, and that gal ended up getting married. Wow. And a lot of other people who met and worked at Farrell's got married. That's a great story, actually. It's a, yeah, I don't know what it was. Something in the ice cream, maybe. Yeah, that's cool. Bunch of feral cats. How many years now have you been married? Uh, Put you in, on the spot. Uh, October 9th, it will be 44 years. Wow. Did you meet anybody else on your garage kit driving around or your um, traveling vacations or? Yeah, I was, I was pretty successful. Well, when we were in California, uh, for some reason, the hobby stores there had a lot of the uh, ultra monsters in vinyl that Billiken did. So I, you know, I wasn't real familiar with them, but they were a, a vinyl garage kit. So I picked them up. That was the same trip we went to San, San Francisco. And I hooked up with Danny Sirocco. This is when he was still married and his kids were little. And boy, he had, I had never seen anybody till I met Vince Wenzel, yeah. how many figure kits he had. And he had a, he had a, um, I married a monster from outer space that he was working on, on his, his uh, table. And I said, what do you got underneath that cheesecloth? And he says, well, that's the I married a monster from outer space. Oh, really? Is it going to have that done soon? Yeah, yeah, pretty soon. Okay, now that was 
to mid to late 80s. Into the 2000s, almost every six months, I would call him and ask him, Danny, did you finish that? I married a monster from outer space yet? <laughs> it's getting there. <laughs> 20 years later, he had somebody else sculpt it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but you know, I'm sure he always told you a good story when you talk to him, right? He's a, the best storyteller. Oh, yeah. And he's a great storyteller. I would love to get him on here, but you know, we try to keep our time down. Especially, especially with uh, at Wonderfest when he'd been at the bar for a while. Yep. Yep. Those are always the best times at Wonderfest. Oh, yeah. Speaking of Wonderfest. Oh, yeah. When was your first Wonderfest? But it was at the uh, Ramada on the north east corner of Louisville for a couple of years. And while we were there, I went there with a guy from Wisconsin named Mickey Krause. And from him, we got to meet Buds, and he gave me one of the first Predator models that Lunar Models had done, sculpted by Randy Bowen. And this was the very first one. It didn't even have the body netting on it. Oh, wow. Okay. So when I built it, you know, I, I had to put in like the canines didn't come out in the casting. So I went to the backyard and I got a couple of thorns and put those in there and uh, did the little straps from his elbows. And as far as the body netting, I went to a grocery store and I bought an onion bag and I cut the pieces out to fit, painted them black and attached them. That's a good idea. <laughs> and shortly after I was yeah. done, Randy re-sculpted it with the body netting on it. And I had I had a table there because I had a whole bunch of stuff to sell, and uh, that's where I met Jim Groman and a lot of other guys. And this is the very first Wonderfest, right? Like this was the first one, the first whatever it was called. Yeah, and it was it was poolside and it was really humid in there, and but it was just really really cool. And they had a model contest there, and this is when everybody was recasting Aurora's kits in resin. You know, making their own molds and stuff. Well, I had a few. <laughs> we won't get into that subject. Uh, I had a few um, resin and vinyl uh, garage kits. And my son, I had gotten him into building dinosaurs. And we entered a bunch of kits in the contest. And we walked away with a lot of trophies. That's awesome. How many people entered because back then in that first Wonderfest? It was a pretty small room. Um, there was probably maybe a hundred entries. Wow. Okay. It wasn't really good. I mean, you're still in the spot by the looks of the trophies. Okay. I'm just saying. What's that? <laughs> What'd you say, Scott? We could... Apparently just Phil and his son entered because they got all the trophies. By the way. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Phil, you sent us a picture. Mm -hmm. uh -oh. And on this picture, I recognize a few of the faces. Uh, Larry Johnson, obviously. Terry Webb with no gray hair. Um, Lee Stanton. Does, is there sleeves in this picture? Mike Parks. Uh, yes, he did have sleeves on. Uh, Mike Parks, um, you and your son. Well, I would have never recognized you had you not told me that was you. <laughs> By the time I met you, you had hair. hair and stuff. Yeah, it was, that was a good time back then. And, you know, Wonderfest is still good, but it's it's changed. It's changed. What do you think the big difference is between then and now? Yeah. You know, it's nice. I like it when people share their ideas. You know, I, I have no problem. If somebody asks me, Phil, how did you do that? And I tell them, well, this is how I did it. You know, try it if it works for you. If not, you know, adjust it a little bit or try something, try something different. You know, you, you learn by doing. 
when I lived in Minnesota and I was just starting out in, in uh, garage kits, I had a, a Billiken Colossal Beast. Mm-hmm. And I went to visit Greg Corlin. You may recognize his name, Scott. He was, he was in uh, model, whatever it was called, model toy collector. Whatever. He did a lot of articles, but he taught me about dry brushing and washing. Prior to that, I would you know, paint the shirt green, paint the, the face flesh color, paint the hair brown or black. Did he he t- showed me how to do that kind of stuff. And I was really appreciative of it. Yeah, I think... It's funny that you mentioned dry brushing because I think that was my first aha moment as a kid learning how to paint models where I was like, mm-hmm. holy crap, you can make chain mail look like this by painting it black and then lightly putting silver over it. Like it was the first like, oh, my God, it's not a solid color. There's ways to do. And then it was washes right after that. Like you just it was like. Hey, Scott, do you know how to dry brush? Yes, actually. Um, girl, I was dating bought one of those plaster haunted houses and it had all these little monsters in it and they gave you all the paints. And she says, will you paint this one? And she didn't care what it looked like, but I'm looking at the box, but I want it to look just like the box. And they talk about dry brushing in there. So I figured it out. And when I got done, mine looked like the one on the box. And I was like, and I barely had enough one color gray to paint the whole house. But when it got done, I don't know if she still has it or not. I should ask her. She probably smashed it, knowing. But uh, after you, after you cheated on her, something. Great, she wants to remind me of it. Trust me, we were at a theater, and she reminded me of it. And I told Jason before we went, she would, and he did. She did. So um, I hope she doesn't watch. Anyway, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna tell her too. That first Wonderfest, Bill. Yeah, so you tell me the story. You did a fiend without a face, and how did that morph into uh, a kit uh, for George? I, uh, I was familiar with the movie. You know, I didn't have this is before VHS and stuff, and I thought that was such a cool movie. But I I took uh, a visible man or a visible woman uh, kit, and I took the brain and the backbone from the skeleton, and I use some wire or something like that for the arm things and the antennas and stuff. And I used part of a Aurora King Kong base and then I hand lettered this nameplate and I put it together, hey, this is kind of cool. Well, then I started working for George Stevenson when he owned Geometric. And I brought it and I showed it to him. He goes, that's really cool. And he wanted to buy it from me and, and make molds of it. And I said, George, it's not that cool. So he... Uh, <laughs> contacted John Dennett. John Dennett sculpted it. And if you're familiar with what the uh, the sculpture that John sculpted for Geometric, which is a great kit. Yeah, it inspired uh, my little scratch built, inspired George to have uh, Geometric produce a kit of Fiend Without a Face. I think this is our first sequel to a story because I think George told us the other side of that story. Or Terry yeah, did. Somebody that. did yeah. at Wanafest. That's yeah. awesome. Um, did you meet George at Wonderfest or being in Minneapolis? Did you like yes, it? I did. As a matter of fact, we were walking out and it was um, Mickey Krause and my son and I, and somebody introduced us to George and his girlfriend at the time. And we got to talking. And, wife, but I, it might have been his wife at the time. 
I don't know. He's, He's got, got a good story, a wonderful uh -oh, story. Oh, you just got him in trouble. You just got him in trouble. We got to talking, and I found out that he, he lived in St. Paul. And I said, really? And he told me that he was starting up this model company called Geometric Design. I said, oh, wow, that's really cool. And, you know, so anyway, we got home, and I contacted him, and uh, I went to work with him. And the first place that they started producing kits was in his uh, partner, one of his partners, Lynn. Soman, I think was his last name. He worked at some some place where after hours, uh, George and Lynn would make kits. They'd cast up some resin kits. Then they ended up buying a, a smaller, a small place of their own, which I remember it had paneling on all the walls and was you know, really dated. But uh, I think George told you about the break-in that they had in there and they stole all their equipment yeah. and stuff. But I worked with them for a while doing some uh, resin slinging. And then they bought a, a much larger place. It was on the second or third story of this uh, warehouse place. It had one of those old elevators where you have to raise up the gate. I love those in. elevators. My, my friends down. still have one of those. Yeah, it's kind of scary, but I mean, it's really big. You could haul anything in there. Yeah. But uh, I started there. I built a bunch of shelving for them to put their box kits so that they could, you know, just pull stock from the shelf to to uh, mail off to Diamond Comics or whoever it was. Then I got to Sling and Resin, and uh, then they got into vinyl and they had Max Factory doing their vinyl work. Mm. But and to uh, package up their kits, George had this. There was a, a company, I don't remember the name of it, but there were some mentally challenged guys that would come and bag the kits. For them. And then they had like a, a supervisor, a guy that would watch over them and he would uh, check out the kits to make sure all the pieces were in there. But boy, I tell you, I wish I had a dollar for every Medusa kit that I bagged. <laughs> oh, man, I bagged a lot of kits. Yeah, oh, to go man. along with that, at one point I bought a. Emir. I just got rid of one of those, actually. Did you? Yeah. Um, I bought an Emir from George mm -hmm. and it had two right arms or something and not a left. And so I remember calling Lynn, Lynn answered the phone at the time and real nice. And, uh, you know, I told him what had happened and he says, yeah, we got some mentally challenged people putting those kids together. And I started laughing because I thought he was talking about his own people working for him. And then he says, no, no, really? He says, we really have, you know, people that, you know, and I said, oh, well, that's cool. You know, so, and they sent me the part, no problem. But I'll just yeah. remember him saying, yeah, mentally challenged. And I'm like, I'm like, well, that's a nice way to talk about your staff. And uh, <laughs> the guy's supervisor, he wasn't too on the ball either. He yeah. apparently uh, because he wasn't well. Yeah. Oh, Scott, laughing at me. Well, you said it's a picture. You were slinging a mold. Do you remember what was in that mold? Yeah, as a matter of fact, I produced two figure kits in my time. Okay. Uh, my my company, my meager company, is called Zebulon Productions. And my first, and both of my kits are huge kits. Why I go so damn big, I don't know. But my first kit was the Kraken from Ray Harryhausen's Clash of the Titans. Ah, the Kraken. The Kraken. McCracken. Bill McCracken. Okay. I had, I had Bob Morales in California. He's really great at sculpting dinosaurs. Yeah. He had sculpted it for me. And in payment, I traded all my... Uh, vinyl ultra monsters and 
I had a Toho Kong, which, boy, I should have held on to that. Those things are worth so much now. And a bunch of Godzillas, Mecha Godzilla, Mecha Kong, you know, stuff like that. And that's how I paid him. And uh, so I brought the sculptures to Geometric and George and Lynn helped me make the molds. They provided the silicone, it was really great. Um, George, I had him order me a 10 gallon uh, pack of resin. And so, have you got that picture up there? Are we doing yeah, that? We, yeah, we do. we do. Yeah, I think that was the, the body mold. And to save on resin and, and weight, because I was selling them, you know, even internationally, I wanted to hollow cast it. So I would you know, put the put the, the mold release in there, rubber band the mold back together. I had a pour spout. I pour in so much resin, plug up the hole and sit and <laughs> in a row like that. And that sucker must've weighed 20 pounds without the resin in there. My arms get tired. You it's look like, like Popeye oh, by the end of it. Yeah. Arms. But uh, yeah, I ended up, Ended up uh, selling, I think, about 16 of those kits, and probably half of those orders were internationally. But then I sold the molds to uh, Vince Wenzel, who owned uh, Hypno Kits, and he sold a few kits. And then he sold the molds to Monsters in Motion, and I don't know how long the molds lasted. Uh, so Monsters in Motion sold a few of them, but it's a piece of history now. But that was my first kit. Wow. That's a great first kit. Like everyone knows that kit. Like you, it's, I, well, people, I know exactly you know, what I it looks pictures, like when I think of it. When I post pictures on Facebook, they say, are those still available? <laughs> no, I produced them back in the eighties. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> why, why that kit? Why did you pick that one to be your first? Well, I was, a, wasn't still am a big Ray Harryhausen fan and nobody had done a, uh, Kraken at the time. I mean, they'd done, you know, the Kali, they'd done Cyclopses, they did the Snake Lady from Seventh Voyage, you know, and they did all these kits, but nobody was doing the Kraken. So I thought, I'm going to make a kit. Yeah. And so I did, and why I did it so big, I don't know. But, but hey, that's how kits used to be made. <laughs> you yeah. made ones that you wanted, that no one else did. It wasn't shopped out. You've made quite a few cents or... Around that time, you sent us some photos of a uh, Mysterious Island kit. Who made that? That is a uh, pretty cool kit. Oh, is that the uh, the Nautiloid? Yeah. Yeah, well, that I think um, Joe Ladotti sculpted that, and it was the Nautiloid and the diver that was wrapped up in one of the tentacles. Right. What I did was I made, I can't remember the diver was maybe three or four parts or something like that. Well, I made molds of the diver and then I made all the other, all the other divers, you know, by repositioning the arms and giving them a spear or. Okay. Then I, I fashioned that ray gun, you know, I just scrap parts. And then I used a, a geometric Medusa base, part of a base for that base. Mm -hmm. And I made a nameplate for it and stuff. You still have that one? No, I sold it. Oh. <laughs> was that pre-Oregon then, or was that? Uh... Uh, no, it was one of the guys in my model club, which we'll probably talk about later. Okay. Yeah. How'd you end up in Oregon? Remember how beautiful the West Coast was. And so we uh, flew to Portland, rented a car, drove to Astoria, which is in the Northwest corner, and spent two and a half weeks touring the Oregon coast, making notes about uh, 
real estate, shopping, medical facilities, just stuff like that. And uh, we thought Coos Bay was a pretty cool, pretty cool town. Had everything, had a Walmart, didn't have much else. But anyway, after two years, you know, I was still working at Prudential, but I went home one day and I said, what do you think about it? Should we do it? Yeah, let's do it. So we put our house on the market. The market was good at the time. Uh, had a big garage sale, sold a bunch of junk and still got the biggest U-Haul <laughs> and drove out there, rented a house for that summer and then bought a 1895 vintage home. Uh, restored that. Oh, it was a beautiful house. Why we left that? Well, we left that because our daughter had a, a son, our grandson, Aiden, and they had moved to Portland from Minnesota. And that was a four hour one way drive. Well, we wanted to live closer. So we started looking for a place to live. Portland was way too expensive. So we started moving out, moving out, moving out. Well, we found a brand new house in Wilhelmina, which we could have paid cash for, but you know, we wanted to have a little deduction. So we've been here since March of 2015 and loving it. Cool. When you moved to Oregon, how was it moving all the kids? What'd you do with all your kids? Did you have a lot at that point? Or? Well, when I decided to move, that was um, well, the winter of 2000. And I thought they're never going to make the move. So I got a ta another table at Wonderfest. And I went to almost every Wonderfest until we moved out here. But I got a table and I sold, I made a lot of money with my built up kits, but I did, I did keep about 20 of them and I packed those up. Then mm -hmm. we moved and we had stuff in storage until we got into our house and I set up the model room. Then when I unpacked everything, not the smallest twig of a, of a tree was broken. So then I started collecting kits again. Did it hurt to sell? It did. And I'm selling a lot of kits now because I'm getting older and, you know, I don't want the burden to put on my family to deal with all my stuff. So, uh, yeah, you get over it pretty fast. Oh, Phil, through the grapevine, there's <laughs> a flopping that goes on sometimes. And there is some seller's remorse at times. And, uh, yeah, yeah. it's, it's kind of sad, but, you know, I miss some of my children. But yeah. you know, I'm building new children. True. So when you got to Coos Bay, um, was there a hobby shop? Was that in your um there was <laughs> a there was one in North Bend, which is like a sister city connected to Coos Bay. I believe I've been through North Bend. So it was in the it was just across the bridge. Okay. But you uh they had a little hobby store that had a lot of trains. Okay. I don't, I don't ever remember seeing a, they might have had a, a military, you know, like an armor kid or a plane or something like that, but not really. So, you know, I, the internet was alive and eBay was there. So I was able to get my kits, but uh, I was contact. Well, the local newspaper called the world sent out a thing saying, if you got an interesting hobby or collection or something like that, we'd like to do an article on, your hobby or collection so i called up the paper and i said well this is what i do well they sent out a photographer and a, a reporter and they wrote up a thing and they published uh a couple pages out of their their uh little magazine thing that they do once in a while and kurt kraus who lived in brookings worked for their little newspaper down there and he happened to see that article and he contacted me well then we got to be buds and uh 
we decided that, uh, well, he was from the Midwest too. So we uh, decided, well, let's, let's build kits together. Let's get together. So we created what we call, Kurt, Kurt uh, dubbed it the Model Palooza, which was uh, either I would go down to his, his place for a weekend or he'd come up to my place. We'd spend the whole weekend building models, eating junk food, drinking lots of caffeine, watching films or and listening to music and uh, just schmoozing about the hobby and building kits. That's, I, I miss those kind of things. Like, well, which is funny because Kurt lived in Wisconsin when he lived in Wisconsin, south side of, how far was it from Winona to Minneapolis? A couple hours, two, three yeah. hours? Yeah, Winona was south. So he actually lived close to Phil even back in the day. So they kind of reconnect here. Two guys from the same part of the country, they reconnect. And uh, it was around 2003, I'd been to Kurtz once, and I had heard him talk about Phil. And it was the last Imagination show. So Kurt decided he was going to go to Imagination, him and Phil. Okay. Now we're talking, so Coos Bay was what from Brookings, where Kurt lived at the time? An hour and a half, two hours? It was yeah. a good ride. A couple hours. So Phil drove down, picked Kurt up, and from Kurt's house in Brookings, Oregon, they drove to Las Vegas, okay? And so the plan was they'd get to Las Vegas, and then I flew to Las Vegas, but I was going to drive back with them and then spend some time with Kurt's and then fly home. So that's where I first met, first met Phil. That's where I also had my first 113-degree encounter where I said, what the hell is 113 degrees? Phil, I don't know if you remember this, but right before we left, I remember I needed something out of my bag and that we were loading in the back of your car. And I was on one knee on the ground. And I was like, I jumped up and I'm like, I'm on fire. What's going on? And the, the pavement was so hot. It was burning through my jeans yeah, um, into my knee. So um, I took that, what, we left probably around noon that day? No, it was, it was like two o'clock or so. Because I remember we went out and made the mistake of leaving the car out during the day in the sun. Oh yeah. Underground parking. And we opened up all the car doors, opened up the trunk and I had a package of Hostess uh, donuts. <laughs> yeah. They were soup. Yeah, they were meltaways. <laughs> they were called Hostess meltaways at that point. Yeah. Oh, After gosh. about 20 minutes, we just decided, well, it's about as cool as it's gonna get. We got in the car, we started. Once we got to the freeway, I think it only took us about 15 minutes. We're on the yeah. freeway for about 20 minutes until the temperature gauge on the engine started to go back down. Yeah. It was hot. And you go through, when you go, when you make this trip, you, you go through um, just a tip of Death Valley. I mean, so that's, and there's a phone. Remember, Phil, there's phones. I just, I remember this so vividly. There's phones like every hour or every mile. I'm sorry. Every mile there's a phone in case you call out. You don't have to walk that far to get to an emergency phone. But mm -hmm. car was so packed. And I'm, I'm the second tallest of the three of us, but Kurt manages to squeeze me into the back seat. They um, squeezed you into the back seat. Yeah, I was a little thinner then. Okay. Okay. And 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 the stuff was piled up between the three of us. We had kits, and I had luggage and stuff. And the stuff was piled up all the way next to me, so I didn't have a lot of room, you know, either way. So we make this trip. We drive through, I remember seeing a brothel, brothel in the middle of nowhere. That was pretty funny. Mm -hmm. and 
How we long did you stop there? Huh? How no, long did you stop there? Phil's happily married. To oh, how long did I, it I take didn't you? ask about Phil. I asked about you. So we went to this old <laughs> mine town. It's an old mining town. It was so weird because you see these towns in the middle of nowhere. And you go, why are these towns here? And there were mine carts still there. And I, I sent you some pictures that will pop up. And there was about three or four cars. I call it car art. Yeah. And these guys, they glued shit on these cars, like ice trays and action figures and whatever they found. They just glued on these cars. These cars didn't run, I don't think. Dolls and clocks and just anything. Whatever. So it was crazy. So we drove that night or that day from Las Vegas to Sacramento, California. Remember, we got to Sacramento late. I think we stayed in Susanville, which is outside of Sacramento. But it wasn't far from Sacramento where we were. Because I think... And um, in a Motel 6. Mm -hmm. And um, then the next day we... uh, had went to rest away and it was still like another six hours and we went through weed and uh there's gonna be a picture pop up of kurt and phil uh in front of the weed oasis passing some weed but no they weren't really passing weed but we figured it was a good staging point but so phil got broke into me with about a what 16 hour car ride god oh god (laughs) And he still talks to you. I don't even know how this is even possible. He, he even roomed with me at Wonderfest one year. He, he gives me he gives me figure kits for free. That's why I talk oh, to him. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'd talk to him for that. I that's, guess. that's probably the best kit in your collection. I'm just going <laughs> to For sure, for sure. Right? <laughs> right, right. Oh, 16 well, hours then, uh, in the car with Johansson. Good grief. What? 16 he had air conditioning room. Oh. Hey. Spend three hours with Kurt and 16 hours in a car with me won't seem so bad. But one thing about Kurt or about Phil is when it's go time, it's go time. Let's go. And, you know, there's no dawdling around. And if you know our friend Kurt, he is <laughs> epitome of dawdle. Okay. Oh, so uh, it would be a pretty good time. I also remember we went through, like, one of those areas that had to be where they stored the missiles, too, because they had all the lights on the side, it was like some military installation. We that was drove. probably Area Fifty One. So uh, no, I'm not even kidding. It was. I'll Lake. never forget. Yeah. And you know what's funny, Phil? When I look back, that trip doesn't seem like it took that long, but that was a long ride. That was a long ride. That's because we had such a good time. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, see, I'm a nice guy. That's why. When I got to um, to Willamina, you know, I look back on, you know, I had Kurt that we could. You know, hang out from time to time, but you know, I miss the guys in Minnesota that I used to hang around with. It was Dave Courier and uh, Terry Ingram and George Stevenson, Vince Wenzel. Well, there's Bob. I knew Terry and I knew uh, Courier, I think. Yeah. And you knew George. Did you? Yeah. But I didn't know George. I knew Terry before I was even knew of garage kids because Terry used to come to the uh, Kane County toy show down here in Illinois. Mm-hmm. And I kind of met Terry through Kurt. And I remember Terry when his hair was down to about here. I don't know if when you first met him, he still had long hair, but when I first met Terry, when he had hair down to about here. Yep. Yeah. So, and he was a good painter. Uh, that's one thing people don't know about Terry Ingram. Terry was, he did a land of the giant snake one time, which just blew me away. In a name in enamels. And enamels, yes, yes, beautiful enamels. Tell me about the Creeping Terror. Creeping Terror was my second kit that I produced. 
and I had uh, Adam Doherty sculpt it for me, Creature Kid. Yeah. And, uh, you know, somebody turned me on to that horrible movie. You know, people say that Plan 9 from Outer Space has got to be the worst movie. Watch <laughs> The Creeping Terror. You will put you will put Plan 9 up on a pedestal. You know, watch any of the movies on Jason's list last week, you know. <laughs> yeah, I got that list here. I'm not even... No, um, but I thought... You know, I've always been into B-movies. You know, I'm a real fan of Paul Blaisdell and his work. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate what they made on such a small budget. Well, if you really know the history about The Creeping Terror, the guy that produced and directed and he was the main star and everything, he was quite a shyster. He made off with all the money that he promised all those people that got involved with the, the film. But I thought, boy, and you gotta see that film, it's so bad. And the monster is, a lot of people call it the carpet monster because it looks like a piece of carpet with an, a vertical portion in the front, which we figured that there was a person in the vertical portion that kind of walked bow-legged and underneath the carpet portion, there was like two or three other people so that when the monster ate people, it kind of, its mouth orifice was, kind of between, between where the actor's legs would be. And they kind of suck the people it's in It's not a good that. place for an orifice. It moves, it moves so slow that like the, the uh, my model depicts where this young couple are making out on this blanket. And this creeping terror is slowly coming up towards it, you know. Not creeping, just it's really yeah. slow. <laughs> the, boy, the boy sees it and he takes off leaving his girlfriend on this blanket she doesn't, she doesn't run she just ah, ah, ah. and the monster is still like 30 feet away and, she's, ah, 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 and it comes and gobbles her up it reminds me of my dad he always tells my mom this is why i'm a horrible person he always tells my dad if there's ever a bear he just has to run faster than my mom that's yep. what he always says <laughs> and i always tell jamie if we have if there's zombies I'm just going to shoot her in the leg and keep going. Don't so, even have to run faster. You just hit him with a bat and then you run <laughs> while they're waking up. The bear's going to get that. So, oh, man. Yeah, I leave the girl behind. Why not? So what happened to that kid? You still have that one or did you sell uh, that? Well, you know, I've still got the one that I built for myself, but um, the molds ended up going to Alma Trone, who had bought geometric design from George. Yep. And as many of us know, Alma Trone had a fire and lost everything. So. I didn't know that. How did I not know that? No, because you don't read anything anywhere. That's probably true. I don't. Read Is there the latest on that, Phil? Have you heard anything? Because that's been going on a while now. I shoot out a note to uh, L every once in a while, and he had the fire about. God, it's got to be like three years or so ago, and he had trouble with his contractor and the insurance company. And anyway, he ended up doing a lot of the repairs that the contractor was doing to the house. He had to bulldoze what was left and start out, you know, fresh. But he says that he's going to start up shop again. But eh, I don't think it's going to happen. Okay. Wow. Well, I that's I, that is news to me. I totally missed that somehow. So you guys started a uh, little club up there, kind of type thing, huh? Yeah. Um, like I said. I used to hang out with a number of guys in Minnesota and I really missed that, even though I had Kurt to hang out with. So I was frequent, frequenting hobby talk. And uh, I put a shout out. Okay. All you guys in the Portland, Oregon area, 
anybody feel like getting together and you know showing your wares, schmooze about the the hobby, you know, whatever? Well, I got along with Kurt, I got two other guys, and so we met at my house, and I uh, grilled burgers and had all the fixings and stuff like that. And I asked them to bring bring some stuff that they had built up, and bring some stuff, some uh, figure kits or whatever that they didn't want or they wanted to trade or sell or whatever. So I dubbed it the swamp meat, <laughs> M-E-A-T. And then swap meat, swamp meat. I like it. swamp meat. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, the first first gathering was at my place and there was four of us. We had a good time. And Phil was wearing the same shirt he's got on now. Was that this shirt? Yes. Just, oh. yeah you know i was trying before this podcast i was trying to figure out well, which one of my shirts should i wear and i thought well these guys are outside chicago so i'll put the resonate shirt. <laughs> and then uh and then you had an offensive blanket on the uh on the couch there i see that's uh, my wife's that's <laughs> <laughs> but she's the she's the diehard vikings fan and she'll tell you Phil, I want to thank you for thinking about your attire because I had to make Scott change shirts tonight. Oh, whatever. <laughs> so, <laughs> who's who's that on there? Frankenstein and who? Vincent Price. You know, I got to meet Vincent Price when I was in college. Really? He, How'd he that happen? Really, he was really tall and the nicest guy in the world. He sat, you know, it was in the the drama department, and we sat and talked with him for I don't know how long it was, and. He'd tell you anything. He was like Harry Housen, just the nicest guy in the world. Yeah, Ray was a real nice guy as well. Mm -hmm. After and that initial uh, meeting, we decided we'd try and contact other guys. Well, people knew Mark Brokaw, um, Mark Kainlin, a uh, few other guys. So the next time we met a few months later was one of the initial guys at his house in Hillsborough, or, uh, Cornelius, which is outside Hillsboro, which is west of Portland. And there was about 12 of us there. Then the next time we met, you know, a month or two later, there was 20 of us. Then the next time that we met, there was about 30 of us. And it's, you know, kept, kept about 30 or so. Um, but then COVID-19 reared its ugly head and we haven't been able to meet. You basically so had your own sure. show there, really. And is that Kalen with a gray beard now? Yep. God, I haven't seen him in years, but um, yeah, it looks like him. And then that was the one you had Mark Worthling was at. Uh, yeah. Because he was there next to Brokaw. Yeah. And Matt McWord. And mm -hmm. has a few of them. So. Uh, you know Charlie Babbage? I don't know that I know Charlie, no. Yeah. I, the name sounds familiar, though. Back in the day, I used to build for people. And that's how I funded my habit. Yeah. Rather than exchange, you know, have somebody pay me, I'd say, okay, I'll build that kit for you if you give me that kit. Yeah. There's and a lot I of people that have that deal, I think. Yeah. Even with my time that I put in, I figure I made about a dollar an hour. But yeah, when you're doing something you love. Yeah. Uh, one guy that I built a lot of kits, at least 50 kits for, was a, a guy named Bill Ostrander. Okay. Who is, he's deceased. Um, he used to call me every day. And talk about almost the same thing but he knew a lot about the hobby and about film that i built up a lot of kits for him because he didn't feel that he was blessed with 
you know, the ability. Right. And he also he also collected armory and uh, uh, airplanes and stuff. He had some other people. Well, he he had a stroke uh, while he was driving down the road, and he pulled off to the side of the road. Well, they didn't find him in time, so oh, they had no. him hooked up for a while, and then his sisters decided to pull the plug, and then they uh, sent his stuff to an online auction, and I never found out where it was because there was a Lost in Space Cyclops model that he had commissioned. John Nemec to sculpt and then resin from the grave produced the kit. Well, I built one for, for Bill and because he had commissioned John to do that, I wanted that kit, but yeah, we got it. Oh, but yeah, I built for, I built for a number, number of people and I still do it once in a while now yeah. because I have that many kits of my own. Yeah. That's I'm in the same boat. I'd rather build for myself at this point. And yep. And, and you've done a little work for Blackheart uh, that you had sent us some photos of as well. And I think we showed some of those photos. Yeah, last week. Yeah. Yeah, George, uh, of course, he had geometric design. And back when he started a, a line called Micromania. And they're little, you know, what, around 125th scale? Yeah, they're small. Monsters. Yeah. And you could buy the monster with a little round disc to mount it on a resin. Or you could buy the optional kit to go with it, or the base to go with it. Well, once uh, he started a Blackheart, he wanted to re-release re these. So I don't know what kind of a deal he made with Almatron, but he con George contacted me and wanted to know if I would re-sculpt some, do some different bases for him. So that's what I've been doing. I've done about six or eight. Uh, some of them haven't made it to the... Uh, production yet okay. there's one that's going to be pretty big i mean the uh it's about this big but the figures are still 125th scale and i'd tell you about it but then i'd have to kill you yeah and i don't want to die so yes i can't wait to see that that'd be cool i think you might have told me but i, I can't say i won't say so. i think you you in particular scott will really like it yeah i i, I uh yeah it's a cartoon is it fred no. flintstone i can't we can't tell you what part of we can't tell you don't you understand it's probably okay. fred flintstone um yeah well and and just on a side note phil so you know george went to this uh miniature show that was in chicago what was it called jason adepticon no the other one. Oh, it was the first one. The, the hobby the, the figure world expo something Figure world expo, yeah, expo. Or something like that and the, the work was amazing phil it was all miniatures and stuff mm -hmm. i think that's when george george had a table set up there and i think that's when he uh and maybe he had been to Adepticon prior to that, but he realized, hey, there's this is a separate hobby apart from what we do. It's huge. And <laughs> apart from what he does now, too, as, a, as far as full-size busts and stuff as well. So George has adapted, and uh, which I think more people in the garage kid hobby do need to do. And he sells a lot of miniature busts. And now, so, you know, when he saw these figures, he thought that would be a good chance, I believe, for him to get these micromania is back do you want to talk a little bit about your modeling just in general how you do things what you like what okay. you like to do how you like to build things what you like to work with what tools you like to use any little tips you want to just kind of put out there for somebody something that you learned along the way that you'd like to pass on to somebody else that sort mm -hmm. of thing sure um well my main interest right now as i as i mentioned i'm selling off a lot of stuff. 
with the exception of my outer limits figures and my think weirdo, you know, Lindbergh loonies type things. Um, I prefer like one six scale, but if it's a kit that, you know, I haven't had that I really want, then hey, I'll go smaller, I'll go larger. Um, my, for my styrene, I use the tester's gray and uh, for the, the resin, and I haven't built a vinyl kit forever, but for the resin kits, I use Magic Sculpt and I'm happy with it. Um, I have never touched an airbrush. Ever. Never, ever. I like that. Even I've used an airbrush kit. What's that? Even I have touched an airbrush before. Whoa, and what did you do with it? Look at it. I, I, I've got some stuff. He took it out of the box. That's what he did. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know, but I do have like five of them now. Okay. I'm, I do you have never, never have enough airbrushes, right? <laughs> so that's right. Because, why do you think because there's two hands, but you need more airbrushes. Why do you think it is? Why have you never used an airbrush? You know, uh, maybe I'm scared. Uh, I've never used it, so I'll, you know, I'm afraid I'll screw something up. And I just I'm happy with the results and I don't want to toot my own horn, but a lot of people that I built kits for are happy with the results that they got from me too. So I, I went through this phase of like, and I think it's, and maybe you will agree with me. Maybe you won't, but there's a lot of people back. I'm trying to think like 92 is when I got my first airbrush and started using it. And, mm -hmm. and it helps. It's a great tool for certain things, but mm -hmm. then there's people that want to sell airbrush paint or want to sell airbrushes. And that's great. So, and then in magazines, you see everyone using an airbrush and everyone's like airbrush, 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 airbrush. And I fell into that trap and I never, ever used a regular paintbrush again. I tried to airbrush everything thinking mm -hmm. that that was going to make it look awesome. And it doesn't. If you airbrush like everything, it looks airbrushed. And I think what, like, even when you go to Wonderfest and you look at the contest, you're like, oh, wow, yeah, they, they used an airbrush instead of like. I have now fallen back into using a paintbrush all the time and mm -hmm. then using an airbrush once in a great while for a little, for other like little effects. I love the feeling of using a paintbrush over using an airbrush. And it just, you feel like a painter. You feel like there's something so much more tactile about it for me than mm -hmm. doing this with a trigger on and off. And I don't know. I just, they're great to have. I totally get it. And some people do amazing things with them to where it doesn't look it. But if you're not great with that airbrush, it looks airbrushed. And it's like, oh, okay, I get it. I've talked, I've talked to some people and they say the downside of airbrushing is... Airbrushing. No. No. Cleaning it. Clean, oh, it's the worst. Cleaning it, yeah. They say it sucks. I hate yeah. cleaning it, but you got to clean it. Yep. When you, and I'm bad at that too. Like it'll sit there and get ruined. And then I like, oh, I'm just going to start painting it, and then you have to clean it. I'm just... Yeah. Or when you ruin it, you can always go over to Scott's and get another one of his. He's That's got true. five. Yeah, he probably does. Yeah. <laughs> no, my, my painting technique is, of course, you do all the cleanup work, seam work, all that stuff. Shoot primer on it. And then I'll put the base coat on, no matter what part I'm doing. And then I'll, I'll do uh, a wash. Then I'll dry brush the base coat color on. And then I'll highlight a little bit. And then 
my uh, ending highlight and little details and stuff. And then I'll wash it again because that final wash seems to make the dry brush, if you're a dry brusher, you know what I'm talking about. That dry brush sticks out. But when yeah. you put that wash on, it kind of molds everything together and it doesn't look. It does. It sinks it all together. It does. And as I get older, you know, with a lot of trouble that a lot of us old guys have, <laughs> our eyes, our eyes and our hands don't work quite the no. same anymore. Well, you know, use a magnifier if you have to, but when you're going to paint those dots on the eyeballs, take a breath and hold your breath, you know, for that couple of seconds. And it helps. It steadies your hand a little bit for me anyway. It does. It does. That's a good, yeah. it's good advice. So that means Diane's going to find Phil someday up there holding his breath with the brush in one hand. And that's going to be it. That's how she's going to find him. Well, Phil, you're doing some kit bashing these days. Yeah. Uh, if you've been on Facebook and a number of the modeling uh, groups, you've seen my incredible think, which is a combination of the MPC incredible Hulk kit and a few parts from the Ravel Dragnut kit, uh, generic base, and uh, let's see what else. Oh, and then I added a lot of teeth to the uh, Dragnut. Mm -hmm. We got a picture up there of it? I do have a picture. Where did the head come from that he's holding? What did, what did the head come from that he's holding? Okay, the head was um, the Outer Limits uh, soldier episode that Dimensional Design had produced. They came, the kit came with two heads, and one of them was just the Michael Anzera head. Well, I used the other head on the figure, and I took that Michael Anzera head, and because it was solid resin, I bored out the center of it, and then I found a, a piece from my junk uh, box to glue on the top so I could extend his cranium, and then everything else is sculpted in with uh, Magic Sculpt. Those are Superman beams in the background, aren't they? Yep, from the Aurora Superman. I picked that up. So, yeah. but do you know who that head belonged to? Um, you might know, but Jason, that's way before Jason's time. I won't know. <laughs> I would say one of the Fink kits, Surf Pink. No, 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 no. The head, the head that uh, the Fink is is holding. Oh, that he's holding. No, you know what? I, I didn't. Although it looks like the leader. That's uh, right. The, the lethal leader. Yes. You win the bubble up cooler. Oh, the, lethal, lethal, the lethal leader was also gamma rayed out, but he got super smart instead of super strong. Instead of strong, yep. yep. I don't like when Scott wins anything. This is and Then you um, you sent in a picture of a Thor, which obviously was a uh, converted Superman kit. I would guess. Actually, it's got, it's got pieces of Thor, or uh, of Superman. Uh, one of the hands is the Frankenstein. There's, well, I don't have that Thor kit, but uh, one of his hands is the Aurora Frankenstein hand. Yeah, the other hand is uh, Batman hand. Okay, and I see that now that you say it. Yep. Yeah, the cape, the cape is Batman. Um, the base is part of uh, King Kong base with a, a hand lettered uh, nameplate. Uh, the face is a Flash Gordon, 
the Ravel Flash Gordon face. Um, the hair, his hair is a bunch of different things. It's the Salem Witch from Aurora, um, some bird wings, uh, just a whole bunch of stuff. The top of his helmet is part of the lab equipment from the Bride of Frankenstein. <laughs> um, yeah, it, there was a lot of, you know, I, I documented oh, what I did for that and I wrote it up. He uh, also sent us the Space Ranger. Yeah, the Space Ranger is somebody did a resin casting of the Ravel uh, Flash Gordon mm -hmm. before Atlantis did it. And I thought, I always wanted to do Space Ranger because he's my all time favorite comic book character. So I thought, well, you know, his, his uniform is pretty close to uh, Flash Gordon's uniform is pretty close to uh, Space Ranger's. So I got that resin casting and I gave him a haircut and uh, did a few alterations to his, his suit, uh, gave him another ray gun, another holster. Um, I tried vacuum farming his clear helmet if you're familiar with the character, but I, I just couldn't get that right. But his cohort, Cyril, who he can morph himself into anything. That's all scratch built, his two, two round, like his head and his body are the rollers from roll-on deodorant. <laughs> See, I save everything, man. If That's I can awesome. use it, I'll save it. And then and you that, painted that one kind of in that two-dimensional style too, that cartoon style. Yeah, that's how I tried to paint it like a, like a comic book rather than doing all kinds of blending and stuff. Okay. Have you ever done anything for a magazine? Yeah, as a matter of fact, I did a few issues back of AFM I did a uh, an article on how to make your own nameplate. And I think that was issue 68. Okay. Yeah, everybody go back and check that out. You can get those how-tos. Yeah, I want to thank George Stevenson for turning me on to how to make uh, brush-on molds. I what, what do you use? I use a product. It's called uh, Mold Builder. Okay, yeah. You can pick it up. Well, I pick it up at... Hobby Lobby because I got a forty percent off one item and saved myself some bucks. But yeah, it's a it's a nice cheap way of making a a one shot or or two shot mold. Okay, it takes a little time to make them, but it's a lot cheaper than uh, making a latex. Phil and I have a tub. Phil has a lot in common with birds. They both cheap. Okay, I'm just saying. All right, I, he, he will find the cheapest way to do something. I do know that about Phil. Well, I think he just gave the best tip is always get that coupon for Michael's all the time. The 40% yeah, off. Get on, their, get on their mailing list. Yep. Yep. Get that 40% from Hobby Lobby or Michael's. All the time. Get on their mailing time. list or get the app on your phone. So you walk up and you have it every time. Anytime I buy something, I usually wait till I get the coupon. And so it's Phil, when you off. stood up, there was a uh, pterodactyl in the background. Uh, did you oh. paint it? Yeah, let me show you. See, this is what happens when you get your kids or your grandkids involved in the hobby. Aww. And they have a great time doing it, as long as you let them do what they want to do. Right. You kind of guide them a little bit. And you ask them, well, what color do you want to use for there? Well, I want to use that dark blue for the wings. Okay, and how about the front of the wings? Because that's a different color. Okay, I want orange. Okay, but we had a good time building this together, and he's going to give it to his mom for her birthday. 
Uh, and uh, you sent us a little picture of him painting the wings. Yeah. And uh, I love how he's holding the brush. Okay. Mm -hmm. And Jason being the art teacher, there's nothing about that that doesn't drive him crazy. <laughs> uh, well, I, ha I have to put him the brush. <laughs> once in a while, I'll tell him, choke up on the brush. <laughs> you have better control. So, uh, well, it depends. If he's painting on a canvas, you want to you want to pull back. But I, I, I think it's awesome that you got him involved. And um... but, and I think you just gave another very, 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 very important piece of information. You got to let them do it. You got to let them decide on the colors. It's about mm -hmm. process. It is not yeah. about outcome. If you're yeah. trying to get a little kid to do something, let them play with it. Let them choose. Let them do those things. It's not about you building the model kit. Let them yeah. pick and just say, hey, that's awesome when they're done. Because that's what they need to keep them going. And we need more kids doing this otherwise this all goes away give them, give them praise yep and phil we're running along i'm sure so uh are there any other hobbies you have phil yeah i uh in my college days i used to paint paintings and i was a big fan of salvador dolly and renee magritte who were uh surrealists mm -hmm. and so i kind of picked up on what they did and i think you've got a few pictures of we do. We do. We have three pictures. Um, I don't know even how to describe them. The first <laughs> one is got an eel and a skeleton and a stoplight and a guy holding an umbrella. Yeah, and that one is the title of that one is a, a waiting. Uh, now, mental block. See what happens when you. When we pressure them. When yeah. you get yeah. old. Yeah. Yep, when the glaucoma glasses come out. Yep. Yeah, I, I, it's awaiting something. Yeah, awaiting a name apparently, Phil. Yeah, awaiting, <laughs> awaiting random, randomness or something like that. All right, and then the next one is the one with the flamingo and the fish swallowing up the, uh, the cloak figure. Yeah, that one's entitled. And that one's entitled "Welcome to the." Welcome to the now. Is there a reason the same gentleman with the umbrella is in this painting as well as the other? Okay, the in this painting, the painting on the wall, uh -huh. that's a small version of a painting that I did before. And on the other wall is that kind of cubistic type thing. Uh -huh. That's when I was in love with uh, Pablo Picasso's work. But uh, I had painted those paintings and i have the the picasso one still but the other one i don't know what happened to it but those those were college paintings and the three that you're looking at now are ones that i've done since i started up about five years ago and what were picasso's last words though <sighs> come on really <laughs> i don't i i used to know drink to me drink to my health you know i can't drink anymore yep yep and Paul McCartney did a song to that. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Wait, 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 Phil. Have you ever seen a Dolly painting in person? As a matter of fact, in St. Petersburg, Florida. I was just going to bring that up. Have you been there? That, if you're in St. Petersburg, go. It is one of the, I went with Dan Colonna when I went down there to visit him. It mm -hmm. is one of the most amazing places. Mm -hmm. And I, people won't know this. I think we are going so long on this today, but Salvador Dali has a lot in common with a miniature painter because his brush strokes, the tiniest, like when you see his paintings in a book or something, you think they're huge, right? 
Some are, but some of them are really, really small. And it's the tiniest little brush stroke that like a miniature painter would use that creates this crazy just effect on something that changes everything. It's just, if you get a chance, please go to the Dolly Museum in Florida and St. Petersburg. You will appreciate it as a model painter. We were at uh, the National Art Museum in Washington, D.C. one year, Mm -hmm. and we're going from one wing to another. And we had to take this stairway that was split up and on the landing halfway up on the wall was, I don't know if you're familiar with this Last Supper. Yep. Where it's like mirror image mm-hmm. on either side. That was hanging in the stairway. <laughs> and you couldn't even see the whole thing. Oh, man. It, oh, sacrilegious. It's, it's, yeah, he's, he is. And, and what's our last one called here, Phil? It's called There Goes the Neighborhood. Okay. Is it a painting of Scott? No, just kidding. No. <laughs> That's uh no, but it does look like the psycho house is in the sand. Uh <laughs> way in the end, way in the background there. Yeah, I just I collect pictures, you know, that I think, oh, that'd be good in a painting someday. I've got this big collection of of all kinds of animals and buildings and scenery and ghosts and nudes and you know i'll say one thing about nudes the female figure and all artists will agree the female figure is so much more attractive and fun to paint and draw and everything and look at than the male figure the male figure is boring uh i'd like to know what the naked guy with the axe is doing because they got to make safety movies about that guy because actually that's a picture taken I don't know if it was in Michigan or Minnesota, but you know, those polar bear people that they oh, chop yeah, holes yeah. ice. We got those. Yeah. 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 That's, that's one of those. Right. How is it playing Santa Claus though? It, you know, we have here in Wilhelmina, even though we're a little town, our big, two big things are, we have got a huge 4th of July celebration and people from all the towns around come to, to Wilhelmina for that. Well, of course we didn't have it this year, but we also have for Christmas, at the beginning of December, we have a, a light, a Christmas light parade where people you know, will dress up their uh, uh, logging trucks or their tractor or their Model T. There's a guy that's got a Model T and they put lights on it. But at the end of it, we have a horse-drawn carriage, which Santa Claus waves to everybody along the side of the road. Well, the last couple of years, I've been Santa Claus. And... My beard is, people think that I'm wearing a fake beard, but <laughs> no, after growing it the whole fall and trimming it a little bit, it's a really beautiful beard. Aww. Not as nice as Jason's beard. Oh, no. but- You've got the Santa look down with the glasses like that, the white, the thin wire glasses. That's Yeah, yeah and the kids, I- the kids, then after the parade at the community center, I sit and kids tell me what they want for Christmas. And then I give them a candy cane and they really like that. Tell me you're gonna shoot your eye out, kid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not putting any overtime in. <laughs> I have some questions, Phil. I have some questions for you. Yes, sir. Have, these are a either or. The first one that pops into your mind. All right. And I think you kind of answered one of them, but I'll do it. At, well, we'll see. First one. No. Oh, okay. Sorry. Go ahead. All right. Plastic or resin? Sorry, both. 
both. Oh, see, that's cheap. I like I like them both. And vinyl, vinyl, I think is kind of falling by the wayside. Okay. I used to do vinyl too, but plastic and resin, I do both of them. I think maybe I can get more inventive with resin. So okay. I'll say resin. All right, that works. Uh, now versus then, the hobby twenty years ago to the hobby today. Then if you I could guess. swap them, where are you at? It would all depends on what you're talking about, but overall, I think I like it back when yeah. it was a lot, lot funner. People were having a lot more fun, and you know, people have really gotten good at what they're doing now. But it's not not the fun hobby anymore. Yeah, for the most part. That, I get you. I know what you're saying. Classic Universal Monsters versus Hammer. See, I don't, I don't do either of them now. Okay, that's a good I would, answer. I would say <laughs> Hammer, maybe, because I'm tired oh. of Frankenstein. Oh. Sorry, sorry, Scotty. Yeah. I know you're the Universal oh. guy, but I'm tired <laughs> of all the Frankenstein. Sorry, Jeff. You're great at what you do. But <laughs> why you guys want? Let's produce a Frankenstein. Let's have Jeff Yeager sculpt this one, and he does a great job. But you got enough Frankenstein. One in the mail, actually. Thanks. <laughs> what did you say? There's going to be a bomb in <laughs> Jeff Yeager in the mail coming. Uh, Frankenstein. All so. right, my my other either or. Lord of the Rings or the Avengers movies. <laughs> Avengers, I guess. That's it. Like I'm I done. told you, I'm, I I'm out. I told you, I'm. Just kidding. Hold on. I'm. Batman out. I'm Star Wars. All I'm right, out. this interview's over with. Andy. <laughs> All right, where were we? <laughs> Phil, Phil's a little older than us. He doesn't have time to watch all the Lord of the, the Rings. But the books were okay. out then, anyway. I've got all the movies on DVD. Okay. All right, that helps. That helps a little bit. Yeah, I'm a lot older than you. Guys. <laughs> Phil, I've got one. Yeah. I'm two. I'm going to give you two. Uh, who's tasting movies? Walkers or Johansson's? Phil's. Phil, Phil. Best answer. That's the Phil. best answer. That's the best answer. Uh, I think we talked about that. And Jason is so much younger than us, and he's of a different time. It's 10 years. 10 years behind Scott. We're, we're the old guys, Scott. And you know, you're Mr. Universal, and I'm Mr. B-Movie, and Harryhausen, and we both like Harryhausen. And Scott, mm -hmm. I, the only slasher movie that I really like is The First Pumpkinhead. I love right. Harryhausen movies. I'm one of those kids that, I mean, I watched all the old movies when I was a kid. I really did. Yeah, like Adventures of Robin Hood? I just didn't stop. That's an old, old movie. Old, old movie. And it was an old, boring movie. There's no monster in that movie. Why would I watch that? Yeah. And some dudes running around in tight swinging swords at each other. But you I watch Moby know. Dick with the whale. That's a monster yeah. whale. It's a monster I like whale. Moby Dick. All right, we're gonna stick. There's Gregory, a joke Gregory there somewhere. Is Captain gonna... Ahab? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> Scott, what's your other question? You had one more. Uh, who's a better host, Johansson or Walker? Oh my God, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? You're a little guy there. Yeah, I'm gonna you vote for the skeleton. The remembered <laughs> prisoner of. I'll tell you what. Neil Murray. Tell you what, if I don't start getting paid, you're going to have the skeleton for a for a couple of holes. I don't get paid. What are you talking about? <laughs> I told you, I'm the talent panel. Oh man! You mean, you mean we get paid? <laughs> and I think I think my other I kind of want to ask this of everybody. Um, 
If you could have any kit right now made that hasn't been made, kind of our last episode, what would you want? Well, I sent you my my top 10 list. Yeah. And you agreed with three of them. Now, one was Alice the Goon. Another yep. was Alice Cooper. Yep. And what was the third one that you liked? Do you remember? Oh, I got to go find the email. I, I just... But yeah, uh, okay. Kit, I would think probably... Sorry, I could do it. Oh, I'm looking. Um... The Voodoo Woman from the movie of the same, it was another Paul Blaisdell that Geometric did when Al Matron owned it, and it wasn't very good. So okay. I've been talking with somebody, and hopefully they're going to produce one, have Joe Ladotti sculpt it. Nice. It'll be him. Nice. Oh, cool. Scott, did you find it? Likeness of Alice Cooper he had on there, which Neil DeConte also wanted an Alice. Yeah, Cooper. that's two votes for Alice Cooper. So, like, yeah. I think there's a market for an Alice Cooper kit at this point. Someone so, do it. Somebody do it. Well, Phil, thank you so much for coming and joining us. This has been it a blast. Was, it was um, fun. If you ever get bored and can't find anybody oh, else, we will have you on again. I promise. Great. Oh, I better this get is, building. Right, Scott? Yes, get building. Is right. What is this building word? What is that? <laughs> what is this building thing? So, But yeah, seriously, thank you so much for coming on and be safe out there with the fires and the and the riots and everything else. And we'll do. what we'll a mess. Do. But and everybody share your, your talents with everybody. Yeah. And have a good time in the hobby. Right. I think that's some right? great advice. Right. What's right. he say? He says, yeah. And please don't kill Kurt Krause. Okay. <laughs> uh oh, Phil froze up. Oh no, us. Phil froze up at the end. What happened? We lost him. We lost him. Phil, come back. Okay, quite a good place to end it then. Hi, everybody, welcome back. That was our interview with Phil Scott. What did you think? Well, I thought it was a great interview. A little technical snafu at the very end, but what yeah. a great spot to have it. It happened right in the right spot. Yeah, it was. Um, a little, it was a long interview, but um, Phil's been around since the beginning. I mean, that's for sure. First How one, many people can say they were at Wonderfest 1? Yes. Like, not many. No. Nope. That are still not doing this. That are still doing this. Yeah. So, uh, Phil's a great guy. Um, I've been to Phil's house. I roomed with Phil at Wonderfest, and he's just a real easygoing, great guy. And, uh, you know, um, when I got sick last year, um, he sent me a little gift. And even this year, he sent me a uh, DVD of his built ups that he did. A lot oh, of cool. them. It was just a DVD that he had done. And I teased him about it because at the beginning of the DVD, he didn't have a beard. And at the end of the uh, DVD, he did have a beard. And I'm like, Jesus, how long did it take you to film this thing for crying out loud? <laughs> so um, but it was fun. I watched the whole thing. And it was just a kind of for fun thing. And, um, you know, I've sent Phil some goodies as well. And, uh, yeah, I, I like Phil's good Yeah, guy. he's a great guy. He's, he seems like very good people. And the hobby needs more of that. It really does. Yep. So, yeah, reach out to Phil. If you're up in that area, reach. they have those model get-togethers and – yeah, that, we'll post a link to their Facebook page. I think it's Northwest Figure Modeler Association or Figure Modelers Association. And uh, we'll throw that link up there if you want to link in and join. And if you're in the Northwest, um, 
Northern Oregon, Southern Washington area, get with these guys. They get together once in a while and it's grown from four to lots. What is it, it sounded like yeah. point at one time. And again, you know, we've talked about it numerous times. I wish we could get something like that going here. Definitely. So. Definitely. So yeah. All right, let's move on. Letters and corrections. As always, no corrections. We got everything right once again. Seven episodes and no mistakes. So we thought we had a correction. We thought we did, but we were wrong about having a correction. So maybe we but, did get something. But right. then I I was wrong, and then I found out I was right. But we do have a letter. We do have, we a, have letter. a letter. Uh, and someone actually <laughs> did what I asked to do. Uh, and who Char- could that letter have been from? That person was Charlie Robson, and Charlie sent in one of his dream kits that he wants made. So I'm going to read what he said. He said. This bust would be a quarter. This bust in a quarter scale would complete me. Charles Bronson is Cheney from Hard Times, 1975. Bust, the bust would be Bronson in front, Corburn in the back with the jacket. Actually, would much be much like the Karloff Pierce bust that Mike just released. Forearms would be exaggerated, just like the poster art. Feel free to share this on a future episode. So we did. We got a picture of the poster from Charlie, and this is what Charlie would like to see. I'm sure he's not the only one. So if there's any producers out there looking to make a bus that might sell, check it out. This is what Charlie wants. Make a boy's dream come true. Got that? All right. So that's our one letter. Uh, we did have a lot of good comments, people sending in what they would like to do in the YouTube channel. But again, as always, modelclubtv at gmail.com. You can send us emails. You can send us buildups, send us letters, pictures, whatever. We'll share them in this crazy section when we don't have interview shows and yeah scott episode seven is under our belt you ready he's still sleeping all right we'll see everybody next time on model club tv thanks for watching